0: To Sunday School Bonanza.
1: Thank you, Danielle. Yes, everyone, welcome to Sunday School Bonanza. It's wonderful to be here with all of you. My name is Jeff Openshaw. We're here to bring you a great rundown of a gospel doctrine lesson and help you get better prepared for this glorious Sabbath day that hopefully you can enjoy in one way or another. And I am joined this week, of course, by none other than my indomitable wife, Danielle Openshaw, is here with us in the house. Thank you, Jeffrey. Danielle, we want to do this one. This one's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good lesson this week. It's, a, it's lesson 10, birthright blessings, marriage in the covenant.
0: And we're married, so we can do this.
1: That's why we're talking about it. We are experts. Mm-hmm. It's like, should I do this with, you know, like Dustin or Bill?
0: You're not married to them.
1: I'm not married to them. No. And I think female perspectives are good. And I, I felt, I felt that Danielle would be so wonderfully suited for this lesson.
0: Well, thank you. And she,
1: she has a lot of great things to say about it. So there's a lot of material to cover. Uh, you're going to be in Genesis 24, 25, 26 through basically 24 through 29, uh, and lots of classic lessons from the scriptures are uh, in this lesson. So we, we let's get right to it.
0: All right. Do you want to talk about the intention activity? Oh,
1: sure. Why not? There are two. The first one might be uh, your person might display a bowl or a bag of popcorn, fruit, something like that, and ask the class members if you had to choose between a bowl of popcorn or the piece of fruit right now or the promise of unlimited popcorn later after you had planted and cultivated it and harvested it, which would you choose and why? I don't know cuz I'm not that big on popcorn so I'd probably just take it right then and there to be perfectly honest. I don't care enough to harvest popcorn.
0: What about that Uckdorft talk a long time ago about like the marshmallows? It's basically like the equivalent. Yeah. Are you willing to hold out for something much better than the And that's obviously the, the lesson. the initial.
1: And the parallel there is uh what we have with um Isaac's experience in in finding a wife in this notion of Hold out for what is best. There's also a second attention activity, which makes very little sense. It just says, uh, yes, the question, have you ever spent money or time to obtain something only to discover that it was not worth what you had spent on it? But it says this can happen to us spiritually by making unrighteous choices. We may trade eternal blessings for things of far less value. I don't get the parallel there, to be perfectly honest. I don't know everything, but I do have a master's degree. And I feel like that is a false logic.
0: I don't understand it either.
1: Well, whatever. So if you have that one, folks, raise your hand and say, that makes no sense. Let's talk about something else. And then your teacher will have to move on because you will have embarrassed him or her.
0: Moving on.
1: Go ahead, Danielle. Take us to section one.
0: Yeah. So Abraham emphasizes the importance of marriage in the covenant. So um, Abraham insists that Isaac marry a woman that is his kindred rather than from the Canaanites. Um so basically he's asking or insisting that he marry someone within the covenant, right?
1: Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone so, of the faith. Yeah.
0: So what he does is he uh he sends his servant and this must be a very loyal servant to do this and someone he trusts dearly. And he he sends him to his father's land, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um to find find a woman for for Isaac. And he has this servant go and the servant doesn't really know how to find her to be honest, but he's yeah, at, he's, he's at the well and, uh, and he, he says this prayer to God and he says that if there's a woman that comes to the well and offers to give him water as well as his camels, mm-hmm. then that is the woman that should marry Isaac. Um, and, that if she comes back with him then
1: interesting yeah. side note we learn historians recently argued that camels did not actually exist in the middle east at this time but that could just interesting. be interesting that could just be translation it doesn't I doesn't keep me up in night. i don't care if it was a camel or a taper or a lemur or a lemur yeah lemurs he rides his lemurs okay. to israel they go They bouncing around <laughs> it's wonderful
0: interesting um yeah
1: but uh what well, you were saying, I mean, yeah, I love this that he waits for, he waits and waits and he's been this faithful servant and yeah. uh he wants something good. Of course, then Rebecca comes along and uh, she's quite the, she's quite the package, basically.
0: She's quite the looker too. Well, she's
1: also 14. She is. That's pretty. It's, scriptural accounts assume that, for one thing, Isaac is about thirty-seven at this point. So, if you want the first example, well, they
0: say they don't marry till he's forty or something,
1: or something like this. So, yeah. if you want the first example, of course, of Mormon parents who are worried about their old son who's failed to get married, here's Isaac who's made it well into his thirties oh, wow. and hasn't gotten hitched yet. But I believe, by most accounts, it seems that uh, at least when they meet. Um, yeah, Rebecca she's only, a baby. she's only about 14 or so. Oh, but, wow. But the most important thing is that she's... She's
0: a strong baby because she's, she's giving these camels yeah. lots and lots of water. And she sticks it out. She yeah. makes sure
1: everything's taken care of first.
0: That's impressive. So um, so yeah, so the servant tells Rebecca um, and wants to go to his ho- her house and speak with her family. Uh, he then explains to the family that he had said this prayer and then Rebecca showed up and did exactly what he had asked the Lord to happen, um, and they uh they ask Rebecca to go with, or he asks Rebecca to go with them, um, and she says yes. This woman of, or sorry, child of 13, <laughs> 14. 14. says that well, she will go. Well,
1: but, the interesting thing though is she has a brother named Laban, interesting name. Um, but they basically tell her like, because she, I think in the scriptures it says she comes back and basically says like, yeah, they talk about this. She basically said this old man who had a barren wife who finally had a child and, he, and this old man's given this son like everything oh yeah
0: that's the other thing yeah. they kind of make Isaac sound
1: amazing
0: <laughs> he's got like tons of land and money and animals he's and basically like a duke he's yeah, sure. yeah yeah she's not gonna be hurting he even gives her some jewelry at the well oh, yeah. and like you know she's she's set I yeah. think this is like Mr.
1: Branson I think her marrying family, Lady, thinks Lady she's Sybil. Set. yeah oh, exactly
0: sure. so yeah why not go <laughs> You know,
1: but the beauty of it is that she and is she's
0: 13. So 14, honey, how four many times, times do I have to
1: say 14 She to you? just
0: sounds like a baby.
1: Oh my goodness. I should never have told that. No, to you never should have told me that. But I think there it, the great thing I that I love from this is, of course, it's the idea of eternal marriage and finding someone in the faith to carry on with the covenant, but also someone of quality. And I think, and it makes it hard, of course, we're looking for eternal companions, ones with whom we can carry on the covenant as well in that sense. But it's not enough that somebody is just Mormon and temple worthy. You want someone who's also going the extra mile, like Rebecca, taking care of all the camels and the servants, little things like that, that really exemplify the the true nature of being Christ-like and being service-oriented and really understanding the gospel. Yeah,
0: God. and also with that, how much faith she must have had to actually leave her family at such a young
1: age. It's huge. Well, that's uh, hard. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if we could wax too personal here or not, on honey, but you know. We live in Washington D.C. Yeah, we do. And our families live in California. Yes, they do. And they miss us, and that's a sacrifice that that I am well aware of. And, and,
0: and, and we miss them.
1: And we miss them, of course. Yeah, if you guys listen, but none of you do. We miss, <laughs> we miss you. But the point of this is, like, I know that it's hard on our parents. I know, especially on their daughter. That in in your case, of course, your parents miss you and want to have you around. And it's a it demonstrates to me it really does. That Danielle has had the faith and the con- spiritual confirmations that it's worth it to be away from that and experience that little bit of pain and longing and missing people for something that's bigger. So, I really do see that's the first thing I thought of when I read this account of Rebecca. You know, I thought of that. Now, it's very true to life that we all, if we follow the Spirit, we do things, and there are things that might be hard and you might miss people, but she's doing something that she knows she should be doing that is better. Yeah. Which I know you feel the same I way. I came about here me, for you, Jeffrey. I, you t- <laughs> I gave up all happiness.
0: for For this Um, wonderfulness that's good
1: wasn't there a quote you liked about this oh um well about being equally yoked from paul and spencer Kimball.
0: well it was something about why is it important to be married in the covenant Mm -hmm. and there was a quote by i don't know
1: president spencer w kimball
0: yeah why don't you read that for me okay
1: Well, he said, Paul told the Corinthians, be ye not unequally yoked together. So we've all heard that one before. Perhaps Paul wanted them to see that religious differences are fundamental differences. And I actually like what uh, President Kimball says here. He says, religious differences imply wider areas of conflict. Church loyalties and family loyalties clash. Children's lives are often frustrated. The non-member may be equally brilliant, well-trained, and attractive, and he or she may have the most pleasing personality. But without a common faith, trouble lies ahead for the marriage. I would say that's general counsel, but of course there's things to take on a case-by-case basis. Well,
0: yeah, and I think we need to emphasize the part that says there are exceptions. There are some exceptions.
1: There are exceptions. I mean, I've met... We, we know people in our lives who are involved with non-members and they've had bishops as much as say, no, you know, just marry this person. This yeah. is going to be okay for now.
0: And, but I think it's also interesting, like religion, having uh, differences in religion can cause huge conflicts. Like if you've sure. ever seen those Match.com or eHarmony things, they try to match people up on religion and their backgrounds because that is one of the major conflicts. It's fundamental,
1: especially if one is active in a religion. When I was in yeah. high school, um, I never really had any Mormon girlfriends to offer my mission in general, and mostly it wasn't that big of an issue. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I dated like lay Catholics, so it didn't really—they they didn't you care. You
0: weren't supposed to be seriously dating before. And I your wasn't, mission. and I wasn't,
1: and that's a lesson that we're going to take to our children mm-hmm. when Ridian and Guy and all those wonderful young men—these
0: are not names of our children.
1: It's going to be terrific, um, but I, for briefly, I went to prom with this one girl. And uh, we dated a bit, but we eventually broke up specifically because she cited our religious differences. She was a fundamentalist evangelical. And uh, obviously, uh, sometimes we are at theological odds with those brothers and sisters of ours from that community. And she was like, no, I like, can't date a Mormon because I can't date a Mormon. You guys are wrong, basically. And it was this wedge. And it was funny because we got along great. But it was this very clear thing like, well, obviously, this will make no sense to even continue now, let alone in the long term well i it's think pointless. yeah
0: when children actually come into play that's when things get fuzzy
1: because they start fighting over them
0: well how do you want to raise up a- anyways we don't need to talk about that that's part the point is being married in the covenant is wonderful
1: yeah a lot of blessings come from it and then of course what happens is they have children as time goes on as one might assume so you've got abraham has isaac and then and then uh rebecca is is eventually pregnant and the funny thing is she notices a lot of discomfort while she's pregnant um you know,
0: well, yeah, because she has two babies inside her. But then she her. finds
1: out she has two. She doesn't realize she has two, and she finds out she's having two. And that's a yeah, quite the thing to discover. That's a freaky moment. And like it says, the children struggled together within her, as it says in Genesis chapter 25. But I love what they say in 25, 23, The Lord reveals this to her. He says, the Lord says unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger, which is very interesting. And, of course, when speaking of things like birthrights, that goes against what would have been the common logic of the time. And then we read in later um, in uh, another chapter, of course, when they're born, Esau comes out first, they're twins. And, uh, yeah, and, and, I want to go back uh, to Rebecca for a
0: second. Sure. Though, because I think it's important to, um, to note how Rebecca was really um, – I'm sure worried or wondering what was going on inside of her. Um, and she, what she does is she, she prays to heavenly father and that's how she received this revelation mm-hmm. that she turns to her father in heaven. And then I like, um, elder Bruce R. McConkie says, may I now take, um, our common ancestor, Rebecca as a pattern for what our daughters in the church today can do. When Rebecca was troubled and needed divine guidance she herself took the matter up with the lord and he spoke to her in reply the lord gives revelation to women who pray to him in faith um and so many times in the bible we hear about men who have received revelations but i really like that it shows an example of a woman who receives revelation as well
1: yeah
0: um so yeah you can continue on so these these children are born
1: so they're born They live, and of course, Esau has the birthright. And to go over what a birthright is, the Bible dictionary hits it really well. But to paraphrase some of this, you know, under the patriarchal order, um, the right of an inheritance of the firstborn is a birthright. So this could be a land inheritance as well as an authority to preside over the family. It also says the firstborn of flocks and human families was considered as belonging to the Lord and was expected to be dedicated to him. So um, it could be either literal, literal, or by the redemption of money. So Esau was promised this, uh, even though he was a twenty, he was the first one to come out. So and that he means came he came
0: out hairy and, and red. he came out
1: very hairy and wild,
0: red, red, and, and color
1: and red. Mm-hmm. I always thought that meant blood.
0: Oh, I don't know. But He's
1: actually red. Just a, I have no just idea. a hairy. I just ginger. know he's hairy like just, a goat. Just they a had to put ginger. A, <laughs> we'll get yeah, there. Okay. So the point is, they have this, and as time goes on, um, obviously Rebecca knows that... uh, She's had this
0: revelation, so she knows what's going on. She knows what's
1: going on. She says, wait a minute, the older will be effectively subjugated to the younger. How is this going to go down as time Mm -hmm. goes
0: on? It's interesting because um, the father actually, uh, Isaac, he loved... Esau, because Esau was like the hunter. Yeah, Esau brought in venison. And brought in, <laughs> basically says brought him that, meat.
1: Basically says that Jacob didn't do anything. He was just a plain man who... And
0: Jacob was a plain man who his mother loved.
1: He uh, just hung around. He and was a mama's boy. Just kidding. He was a mama's boy. But just then, kidding. But then there came this point, of course, when uh, we know that uh, Esau... Esau was... Out, he
0: was starving.
1: Yeah, Esau's out in the field. He's starving. He wants some of uh, Jacob's pottage, pottage being a stew. And Jacob just says, okay, give me your birthright. Esau just says like, well, I'm about to starve to death, as he describes it, which really strikes me more as he's hangry. But he says, I'm starving to death. So he takes it and just gives up his birthright to Jacob. Boom. Kind of cunning on Jacob's part. But a lot of the Old Testament seems to be about uh, lies and uh,
0: it's interesting, <laughs> misleading and doing yeah. lots of things.
1: But he gives his birthright uh, to Jacob and really over nothing, over a, over a bowl of stew, basically. Yeah. The lesson, of course... Would want you to think about this. What are the parallels in our day? I think it's very clear. Well, go back to the fruit.
0: Do you want the fruit now? Or do you want to wait and have lots and lots of fruit?
1: And Esau was, or the popcorn for Or popcorn. But Esau Mm -hmm. wasn't patient enough for that. And so he gave it up very easily. And all too often, you know, we are promised great blessings if we are faithful and patient. But we give them up because we want something immediately. We need instant gratification, especially in this day and age. I, I worry... More and more as a society, we are very much into instant gratification and we're we're losing our ability to be patient, both in spiritual and temporal things. And then what happens after this is the whole the, the goat incident, as Daniel would Why don't you just tell <laughs> us about what happens even after that? Okay. Isaac's getting old, of course. Isaac's getting old and, he's blind. and
0: uh and Rebecca hears him say to Esau that um that he wants Esau to go out and get him some venison and then he wants to give him a blessing and so rebecca hears this and she tells jacob and they get some meat from what is an equivalent to a barn Whole or something Foods, it doesn't matter yeah um and bring it back and she makes the meat this is all while esau is out hunting and then jacob is concerned because he says you know i don't i don't look like my brother even though their father couldn't see you know he he knew that Esau had lots of hair. Yes. And, uh, Burly and, fella. And Rebecca says, Listen to me. Just, just do what I tell you to do. So he does it. And, uh, she uses the, the, S- the skins, skins of the goat. Of the goats. They put it the, on like the nape of his yeah, neck. Yeah. They it put it on like, his neck. They put it uh, on his arm. So, so when he goes in to, uh, give his father this meat, his father asks who it is. And he says, that it's Esau, so he lies to his father, basically. Yep. Um and his father doesn't <laughs> believe him, it kinda sounds like, because it, it um because obviously he sounds like Jacob, so yes. he touches him, feels all the hair, which is really the goat hair. And uh and then he basically uh he ends up giving Jacob the birthright, the I mean the blessing. The blessing, uh, yeah. the blessing sorry. So he, he gives him the blessing and then Esau comes back and and everyone's all mad not everyone Esau's, real Esau's mad. really mad yeah and then so
1: eventually so, Jacob flees because well
0: yeah because Rebecca tells him you know go to my go to my brother's home and and leave while you're while Esau is getting over this what you've done to him yeah really
1: well I don't feel like you kind of cunningly took everything <laughs> away from him but but Rebecca knew it had to be that way too yeah it's interesting that Isaac is not the one who had had the revelation basically about what would become no. of these sons and what was necessary that it and that's the interesting thing you mentioned revelation before to a woman but this is like pivotal revelation for the posterity of Israel in a sense and mm-hmm. and it went to the wife which is great so while hanging out back with uh, laban his uncle he marries his first cousins leah and rachel and
0: uh he has to work for 7 years to get them
1: he does a lot and then of course it's leah and rachel and then also later on bilha and zilpah those will become the four wives of Jacob in order of marriage. And those are the ones who will give birth to the 12 sons who will become the 12 tribes of Israel, which is a, a big thing. And uh, while I have a rapt audience, I just want to explain some birthright stuff because it doesn't really get explained in the next lesson. So a birthright, because later on we know that Reuben had the birthright from Leah, but then it went to Joseph after that because Reuben loses his birthright due to immorality. He just gives it up because he's naughty. And the reason, But Joseph is the 11th born overall. He receives the birthright specifically because um he's actually the firstborn of the next wife. So it doesn't just go first wife first kid then first wife second kid it goes first wife first kid then next wife first kid. And so that's why Joseph received the birthright after that. I would tell you more but we're actually completely running out of time. So. Oh
0: sorry, I just want to say one more thing. Poor uh, Rachel that had to um deal with 11 children being born before her first. The end.
1: Well, remember the Lord remembered Rachel. The
0: Lord did remember Rachel.
1: Folks Danielle, generally, you can find us at thisweekinmormons.com?
0: And on um, Twitter.
1: Yeah. And on contactatthisweekinmormons.com, Facebook. So many wonderful places where you can be with us, folks. And we hope you'll subscribe to all of our podcasts. And uh, please let us know how we're doing. Shoot us an email. Thanks for being here, honey. Nice to have you. Nice to have you. This has been, yeah, yeah, it is. This has been Sunday School of Anansel. We'll talk to you later, folks. Have a good Sunday.